Do you know someone who is reckless or careless? Maybe someone who brags that can't back it up. Are you willing to take shots at them? Then this is the show for you. Welcome to Cowboy Season. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast formerly known as The Deep. I am Matty Ice, one of your hosts, and I will bring Cleveland momentarily. But if you're listening for the first time, thank you and welcome. Uh, we hope you enjoy what you're, you're, you're about to hear. Um, if you follow, followed us here from the beginning and you've listened to some episodes, you're probably a little confused as to my opening statement, why I would say something like that. Um, it's been a while since we've come at you, uh, especially with some new content. Cleve and I are always on the grind, as you probably know. And we've been focusing our attention on some other projects. Uh, the biggest one, I think, would be uh, political football, at least in terms of collaboration. So if you haven't uh, heard that from us, check it out. Uh, but I think we've, you know, we've also been doing work on our own shows as well. We're ready to kind of bring our collaborative efforts and our creative energy back to this show. But we've realized that coming back, we needed a little bit of a rebrand. And we were talking about this over the last couple of months. And we have decided going forward from today, this show will now be known as Cowboy Season. So please, how you doing out there? I'm doing well, man. Um, welcome, everyone. Who have heard us before on our other on our other platforms and other shows uh this is again this is a rebrand as matt just noted uh we look forward to kind of taking you into a new direction and having some fun uh while it's doing so so this show will you know be a little bit different from how the deep was but it'll, it'll have some similarities as to how matt and i conversed on various topics i agree so one question you're probably having is why cowboy season uh, I wanted to let you elaborate on that, please, because I adopted the term cowboy from you, and we have added it to our lexicon within our friendship. So uh, give the audience a little bit of a taste as to what we mean when we say cowboy. So as you guys know in pop culture, um, you know, we know what a cowboy is as a definition, you know, one who herds cows uh, and popularized in, in Midwesterns and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the term cowboy, as we use it today, the actual definition um, in the Urban Dictionary is kind of it's kind of cool because it kind of nails it to the exact thing that we're doing here. So, a cowboy, I'm going to read the definition. Cowboy, adjective. It's uh, reckless in nature, developed in the 1920s. Cowboy is sometimes used as a derogatory sense. Describes someone who is reckless or ignores potential risk, irresponsible, or heedlessly handles sensitive or dangerous tasks. So, we all know in life, you know, hey, that guy... Or, you know, that girl is a cowboy or a cowgirl. Like, it's just, it's kind of the thing that we see. Great example, um, in every gym, I'm a trainer, as you guys know from my other, other stuff that, you, that you've heard me on. We see people all the time doing dangerous things. And when you go to either correct them or warn them or, you know, help them out, they will point a gun at you and be like, hey, I got it. Heed the word cowboy. And then you see them later on nursing an injury nursing something that happened and you're like okay i tried to warn you but again you want to be a cowboy be a cowboy so there you have it uh for the audience there may be some truth to some of these uh, examples that steve is using that we have personally seen over the uh, <laughs> oh yeah four and a half years of our friendship but when we thought about uh you know how we kind of do our you know a little bit here in our conversation uh we talk about this a lot and we're also looking to have a unique presence in the uh, media world when there are billions of podcast teams out there and uh, one of the things that sticks out is usually the name because you want to be able to be findable you want to be searchable and believe it or not there is not a podcast in the world that takes cowboy and cowboy season to the level that we do so we're calling it cowboy season because at the end we're going to have our nominees for cowboy of the week so i'm really looking forward to the rebrand man you know we have, we have put a lot, lot of creative energy into into other projects, um, and I, I think I don't know about you, but I feel like it's made us better in terms of our delivery, uh, our production sense, and just kind of being a little bit more genuine when we're trying to bring these to the masses. I know you have spent a lot of time with the manual. Uh, I've started spending a lot of time with Soulfully Casual, and we've been able to do some stuff with Dave. Uh, the last couple months as it relates to football and, mm-hmm. and some political stuff. And I think we've learned quite a lot. Um, 
So, so you, I guess, what are you looking forward to now that we're back out there and uh, people are going to hear our voices as a collective in a different manner than they have with uh, our own shows and PF? It's basically carrying on the conversation from the different platforms. You know, as political football went on, it, it kind of gave me the sense uh, personally that, you know, I'm sitting in a, in, a, in a Buffalo Wild Wings or a Fridays and I'm sitting with two good friends and we're talking football and we're kind of just kind of chewing the fat about what's happening in the league from play to personnel to coaching to all the good stuff. Uh, this is also a sense of kind of just having a talk. Um, one of the things in the pandemic that we've, we've all learned is that the connection that we've had to each other, uh, albeit family, friends, um, co-workers, um, it, it's kind of been a little bit different. And that difference has become now a normal in a sense because we're not going into an office every day. We're not going into um, into a space after work to have a drink with some friends or catch the game or or what have you. So it's kind of continuing the conversation, having um, you know having that interaction with each other. Uh, you know, we see each other as far as uh, you know on on Zoom or Skype or FaceTime. You have it, but again, this kind of gives us another arm to reach uh, some people and. We've, you know, had some following followers, excuse me, on the other platforms that this show is relatable because this show is more geared to not one particular kind of thing. You know, football, political football was about football. The manual is kind of about a collection of organic thoughts. Soulfully casual is is Matt sharing his experience inward and outward of who he is and the world that's around him. But the cowboy season is more, you know, we're having that conversation, but you know, we're, we're not bringing that that gravity of like, oh, this this has to be about this. This show has to be political. This show has to be funny. No, it's gonna be cowboy season. It's gonna be just us shooting, chewing the fat. And, and the, when I think of cowboy season, season, I think of it applicable to us as co-hosts. In that, this is the realm in which we can have absurd take related to just about anything and just kind of become cowboys in the moment of the show that we're trying to produce because why not right like if anybody who's listening has listened to either one of our shows you probably understand that we are crafting a product that is tailored toward our experiences in the world as we've said and coming up with content sometimes can be a little bit difficult because we are basing it off of interactions that we have but we're also speaking solely as ourselves and I know that, believe it or not, if you've listened to political football, you know I don't have an issue speaking to the masses, but I do have a problem speaking when it's just me. And when we're in a collaborative um, arena, such as a two-person pod or a three-person pod, I find myself much more organically able to uh, speak to a lot of different things eloquently. So that that's another reason why I think this is important, is you know helping us hone our skills as co-hosts and, and content creators but also helping our own voice individually and that's why we have decided uh, to kind of bring all of this content forward in one one area uh, before we get into the topic of the week and it's sort of related um, you, you want to visit uh, www.maddieicemedia.com it is a website that I created to help leave myself uh, and all of the creators that we have on our website to sort of have a centralized place or a menu so to speak for you the listener to get as much or as little of our content as possible. It's not just podcasts. It's mainly that now, but my YouTube channel, which for any sneaker folks on there, I do some reviews and some other fun stuff and I'm looking to add to it. But over time, we're hoping to add add more creative to You know, add more, not just like-minded people, but I think creatively uh, inspired people. I don't, I don't necessarily need the content to be something that uh, I'm into 100% of the time because the listeners are going to be vast, they're diverse, and that's what we want. Um, but I, I was thinking about this, you know, the other day, Cleve, because you mentioned how our pandemic abnormals have almost become normals now. Uh, and one of the normals, I think, has been a more uh, stable presence in our home. 
we are less likely to be going out doing things uh, well not everybody obviously you and i have chosen to have very small bubbles for our own specific reasons and and that's why I want, we have not seen each other physically in almost a calendar year, right? Uh, we're young people, we're healthy people, and, and there's no reason for us to be scared of you know, our, our health necessarily, but we have other folks that we care about in which we make these decisions. But um, we're also able to be a little bit more uh, focused on things in the news. And one of the things that's come up recently uh, has been the stock market as it relates to GameStop of all companies. And... The crazy part about that is you and I are, are have been gamers for a very long time in our respective lives. Uh, we talk about it a lot, offline, online, and, and everything. And a couple weeks ago, GameStop was in the news because their spike, their stock, excuse me, were spiking. And it, I'm sure for you, it probably blew your mind. But you told me offline that you had sort of a personal connection to this that I thought you might want to share with the audience. Yeah. So you know, as, as you as you kind of alluded to, I. I've been a gamer since 1982, so I, I go way back with my gaming. Atari 2600, I can, I've, I can remember the unboxing of it and how happy I was to have this 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 console and this new concept in my house, uh, and it was great. And from then, my love affair with video games have just blossomed through now. You know, I'm, I'm in my late 40s, and I'm still an avid gamer. Uh, so GameStop, when, um, if you guys can remember... They have a they have a magazine um, called Game Informer, um, uh, and it was kind of a thing that they used to give you every month with the subscription um, to their services. Which you go into any GameStop store at that time, you were able to kind of get stuff. At some point, I talked to a friend that was that was a uh, a trader basically had mentioned to me, "Hey, you know, I heard you looking to buy some stock. What are you interested in?" And I'm like, you know, all the tech giants, he's like, listen, they don't need your money. Apple doesn't need your money. This, that, and the other. He's like, invest in things that you would necessarily um, buy all the time. So he's, I said, what do you mean? He says, well, look in your, you know, your kitchen cabinet, look in your bathroom cabinet, look under your sink. Those are the, those are the things that you buy. And he says, I heard you play video games. So why don't you invest in some of the video game companies and some of the stores that um, do that. So back then, and I don't know if you if you if you remember this, Matt. Game Informer. I'm sorry. Uh, GameStop had another rival at the time, and they were put out of business. Um, and then Game GameStop became like the the spot that you just go buy stuff from. And I started to buy stock in them. And I noticed over the last few years, there's a store that used to be right near my house. Had closed down. It's been about three years now that that's, that location is closed. The other location is about maybe another mile and a half up the road, and they're still open. But when you walk in there, it's like a, it's almost like walking into something that you can't even recognize. The stores are very dim. The merchandise is scant for the most of it. Uh, you can't find certain games. Um, you know, I like classics sometimes to buy like an old game for an old system because I have all my systems. And I'm like, you know what? In, in the back of my head, without even asking the store clerk or anyone in there about anything, I'm like, you know what? It's probably time to dump this stuff because the brick and mortar stuff is going away. And the advent of a lot of um, tech giants now coming into gaming is going to be problematic. So I, like an idiot, <laughs> got rid of all my game stock um, stocks. So I could have made some money, but that's the story of my life so that's what happened to me a few months ago i literally offloaded all of it and then this thing happened actually a client of mine who's another gamer had said hey how's your game stock stock doing and i was like why he's like bro it's happening and i'm like he, he shows me this thing on reddit and i'm like oh my god and yeah and the, the, the crazy the part crazy about part that is, is the, the stock at which, you know, which sort of broke the stock market for a week or so was stock, two stocks really came to mind in the forefront of this. And it was GameStop, which is one. Uh, GameStop had recently just talked about, I think, their 
uh, fourth quarter uh, earnings were like a sixty million dollar loss or something like that. And then of course AMC. Now GameStop and AMC are two failing companies, but they're in different markets. Where AMC is a in-person movie watching experience, which has gone completely off, you know, during the pandemic for obvious reasons. Gaming has, as a matter of fact, gaming has actually boomed to the point that Nintendo and Sony saw their their stock prices go up and their gaming excuse me gaming presence go up because people are more at home they're more likely to be doing things like playing video games right but GameStop is a brick and mortar establishment and not to mention not not only that I mean they do have an online presence like every store has an online presence but their prices are not competitive with what's on the market and their prices are not competitive with what the like the PlayStation store for instance has given you like the sales that happen on that if you want a game that comes out all you gotta do is wait six months seven months and it's like half price because there's so many games coming out so GameStop was in not not in the place to be competitive and and then because of and Reddit, Reddit and basically a bunch basically of people, a people who just wanted to screw over the hedge fund people, people. Mm-hmm. you know, they, they so end they, up making a GameStop stock like $330 a share or something like that. And it's, yeah, and it's crazy. It's, it's gone back it's down, down, but it speaks to the idea that it's different time now. The gaming the gaming universe is much, much different. I, I think you you are obviously old enough to remember our system long before me, but we are both old enough to remember playing co-op video games in the same room on the same TV. Uh, yeah, good screen. Yeah, and, and that that was actually advanced at the time that it came out. Like playing split screen for me, it was uh, GoldenEye on the Nintendo 64 with my friend or like Mario Kart, right? Split screen, so split you had four screen, players, so four and players, think about the TV sizes the TV back then, right? Oh yeah, screen, 19 uh, inch. <laughs> by the way, when we by went way, to, we, we had to dump some things from our garage, and they cycle TVs where we are, and they have the TVs. I saw them with the wood paneling. Do you remember those? They had like the wood paneling on the side. Yeah, the floor models. Yeah, floor models. That's right, and that's what we had. So we were sharing screen space that was nothing. It was it was almost at that point like a cell phone. And now and that now concept that of concept co-op gaming of is basically non-existent. And it's non-existent it's in the sense of in sense being in the same physical same space. We've moved to an online presence where we have everything. Oh, oh. but... But do you feel do you that feel there, that there uh, and so uh, and before so, I ask the question, we're also at the point where we are no longer demanding physical like discs and cartridges the way that we used to. Everything mm-hmm. is a digital Everything presence digital now where you can own all of your games on a hard drive at this point. Yeah. And there's no real yeah, repercussions no to not having the disc the same way that there is with like music, for instance, where licenses go in and out all the time. But do you think that the the recent GameStop stock Stop. Uh, you know, yeah. phenomenon, phenomenon is sort of a highlight of, of hey, this is almost like the last, the last ditch effort for a brick and mortar establishment in this particular market, and that's kind of the way that it's going to go. GameStop will become a thing of the past, and we will be basically purchasing our games solely on. Yeah, so I mean, that's a that's a that's a very um very well said point, and I I do sentiment that because. Um, if you if anyone can remember Blockbuster, <laughs> Blockbuster um, was a store that you really you re- pretty much went to rent movies um, for three days basically, and if you didn't bring it back in three days, you got um, penalized or whatever it was because someone else was waiting to get this new movie out. Um, they got into the renting out games at some point, and then that's how GameStop and stores like GameStop um, came about. So with the last dish effort i think it was the little guy sticking it to the big guy um and making this company probably profitable beyond its means before it, the lights go out on all the stores that they have around the country um you make a good point about uh disc and cartridges and things of that nature i am somewhat of a collector of things like i don't i don't hoard obviously i'm not speaking in that sense but i'm someone who occasionally would like something um of my past uh as a memento type of thing like that i could still probably even game with like i have some games from my second dreamcast days that i just have as a memento because i just had either a lot of fun on that game it brought back a lot of memories um or i just wanted to have that physical thing in hand but to matt's point now that we have you know this 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 age where things are so quick 
um, where if you buy a, a bundle that is the limited edition or uh, the deluxe package, you get the game, he'll get it four days before I get it. You know, just to just to have this in hand, you can get it streamed pretty much right to your your console. One of the cool things about, and I don't know if, if GameStop has even, I mean, I probably think they thought of this, but like with Xbox, um, for instance, you know, Matt's a PS guy, I'm an Xbox guy. If I go to Matt's house and Matt has another Xbox, I can actually log in with my credentials and bring my entire game library to his TV, to his console, basically. And and with that, every I think it's every month or so, up to three times, I can transfer a game to him free of license, free of free of charge. Um, but obviously, the way around it would just give him my logins, and he would be able to just boot up and boot up to my account. Um, and this is if you trust your friends to have your have your um, your credit card information, but he can go in at any time and log into my Xbox and play whatever he wants. So having these challenges and these hurdles, um, it, it, it makes it impossible for a brick and mortar store um, to do that. And they obviously sell more than just um, than games, but most of the things that you can collect and buy, you can get it online. You know, Amazon has proved and showed that they have killed more retail space then they're like they're a mass murderer they've killed everything and now they're going to get into gaming i don't know if you heard that matt but they're getting into gaming and that's going to be very interesting at some point i agree so this is the way i think about this this concept that we're we're discussing here because i have gone through most of digital presence when it comes to the purchasing and playing of my games like i don't need there to be a store for me to go to there was a time in my life where i did go to those midnight releases for certain games and that was fun but now i just want to be able to have the games and, and be able to play them at the best price possible i think you're kind of in the same boat here you know, we, we just want the content because that's the art that we, we enjoy. But you spoke to the other elements of GameStop presence, and I do uh, yearn for a time in which there are those local uh, local shops. And one thing that we have uh, prioritized a little bit during the pandemic is supporting local businesses. And I do think that that is uh, related to your little guy versus the big guy argument because there is something to be said about having like your place you know what i mean like when you go back home to jersey i'm sure you have like delis restaurants whatever oh yeah that you're like it's been here for 40 years gino behind the counter is still alive his sons have taken over it and they know you or they at least know you know like you've been going there long enough they're like hey cleave the usual right yeah something to be said about that familiarity about that connection with people and we are losing that and the game stopped uh, uh, the GameStops uh, of the world uh, are a highlight of that. And Amazon is a great thing. Don't get me wrong, because it is convenient to be able to have everything at your fingertips and have, you know, everything delivered to you whenever you need it. There's, there, there, That's fine. I have no issue with that. But we are losing our connection to the small people because those small businesses are becoming enveloped by the larger corporations. And the video game store, like, I remember going to, it, and I think this was the precursor to GameStop, but it was Electronic Boutique. Yes, right? that, yes. Thanks for bringing that up. I, I know it is EB, but yeah. I couldn't think of yeah. what the B was. Yeah, it was EB, and then it was EB Games, and I think it was GameStop yes. whenever they, uh, they, yep. you know, they uh, all merged and everything. But I went there often enough there often that I knew some of the people that worked there just by working there. Like, we weren't friends. But there was a, there's a familiarity, a connection when you go someplace and somebody knows who you are. Um there, there is something there, that's added to humanity when we have that, and it's, it's a little thing because we, most of us, are commoners in the sense that we're not famous. We don't go to Target and have to deal with people being like, oh, you're Maddie Ice. Like, hopefully I'll get there one day, but I'm not there now. Um, but I, so I think that the video game uh, arena, while it has become more, it, it's, 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 it's actually interesting, right? It's become more connected in the sense that you're playing online so much more with other people like there are so there's such a push now for games to have an online presence and you to connect multiplayer online and you get to talk with people and all that even though we have lost the in-person connection with it where we're not playing with somebody in the same room um 
So there are pros and cons to all that. Like we have friends that we game with who live in South Carolina, and it's nice to be able to talk with them while we're playing our game because it's like you're you're getting two things at once. But um, I agree with you though. I, I think it's a thing of the future, and I think they are moving towards. Uh, I mean, even the physical consoles. Like right now, we are looking at what is it? The Xbox. Um, is it X? Is it Series X? Whatever it's called. The yeah, new one. Yeah, the new one. The X, yeah. yeah. and then we have the PlayStation 5. In my mind, those are going to be the two last physical consoles um, of of the video gaming era only in the sense that they're already making one of them a digital only console. So, yeah. So, and Amazon is moving into Amazon the same market. So do you remember Google so remember tried to do this? Google they tried to come out with Stadia, which was a... Stadia, yeah, miserable fail. It was a miserable bro. fail because Google is not a company that is putting the resources for something like that. They didn't have people who love video games doing it. Amazon sees how that fails and is going to swoop in and basically do it better. And I will say this, if they're able to put out a successful product that has a really great lineup and has the same ease as like the... Like the, the Xbox, uh, the Xbox Game Pass type uh, of a thing, and wait, all I have mm-hmm. to do is take a controller somewhere, and I can boot up my game yeah. anywhere. That's very appealing to me. Um, and yeah, I, don't know, of course. I don't know how you feel about the changes about and the social the elements of it, um, because I think you know, do, do you kind of see some of the the changes in the social elements of video gaming? Read the um, you know, like multiplayer stuff, but people are awful on some of those platforms. Yeah, very very toxic communities. Um, and on some like one of the games that I um that I used to love, but I I loathe to play it now, and I, and I'm so actually upset about it. Um, is Rainbow Six? Um, it's the the original versions of Rainbow Six because I love all Tom Clancy stuff. Those those um those games were really good for campaign stuff, and then of course the multiplayer aspect became good. But then in the in the later years, the Rainbow Six went totally multiplayer, and they never turned off certain things with their multiplayer to keep the realism, like friendly fire. So if I get into a lobby with a 12-year-old kid that's mad about the round that they lost, they could turn their guns on anyone in the group and pretty much just keep eliminating you. And then you have to log off, find another group to play with. It's very frustrating. So. You know, I, I don't know why they never addressed that, but there's so many toxic communities where it makes playing online not fun. So you have to kind of get your friends to play the same games that you like, and hopefully you guys have a great time in it. One of the aspects, to go back to your original question, that I see out of the public space is the fact that GameStop um, and stores like Funko, that's, an, that's another one, those stores... When, it, when there was a launch of a new game, the new Madden, the new Halo, the new Final Fantasy, or whatever it was that was coming out, you, there was an event built around like this launch, just like how you have in, in the sneaker world. When sneakers come out, you know, there's an event usually at a store um, in Manhattan or wherever. And that was actually pretty fun to go to. You know, you stand online, hopefully it's the summertime, it's not bitter winter. And you wait, you know, your chance to get your copy and people are talking about the games and the series and, and all that kind of stuff. So that that communication of of um, of gamers uh, that doesn't exist now is is this more in a like on Reddit? Because Reddit fixed a game that was broken at launch. Uh, and I'm talking about Breakpoint, um, one of Tom Clancy's, um, you know, good games. That game is so good now because the community made it good guys were getting on there and giving their two cents and literally giving guys specs on how to go about refinishing this game and it's actually a different game from launch so communities gaming communities are very huge when you have the toxicity of of these gaming communities where you know you can't have a 12 year old play with a 30 year old because you know Either one can go off the rails and, and get mad about something and, and just cause a, a very bad experience for everyone involved. It, it's kind of like that. So, you know, lastly, with Amazon entering this fear now, it, it's kind of like they have the infrastructure, they have the knowledge probably, 
um, and they're probably up on the times of, of what may work, what may not work. But a lot of these gaming developers, I, I think the draw of Amazon having the reach that it has, meaning millions upon millions upon millions of, of people that subscribe to Amazon, they're looking at that reach like, okay, well, I'm, I'm Microsoft Studios. We only are making games for Microsoft, you know, for Xbox. You know, uh, Bethesda is only making games for all systems, but then they may say, you know what, Amazon is paying us a mint to come over to, to develop games for their particular platform. So yeah, it's going to be interesting with pla- with Amazon entering this sphere because it's gonna it's gonna get ugly. Yeah. So I wanted to yeah. touch on so a few things you said. The toxicity the element of it. Um, I see the video I game, uh, video you know, social network now. Social it's network. very similar to the social very media uh, phenomenon, yeah. also, yes. right? And I see it twofold. I, I think twofold. there's there's I sort of two two main, uh, two main cons, uh, if you will, to the way that we do business now. First is the toxicity within the games themselves. And you and I both probably are the type of people who mute all communication in certain games because we're just not looking for people to either yeah. stop their opinion off or hear, for lack of a better word, some cowboy talk about himself in the third person and shit like that. Um, and, and I just don't need to hear. Because one, some people say really dumb stuff, and two, some people don't even know how to socially act. Like they don't even know how their how their yeah. microphone works, and it's just background. Yeah, they're trolling. They're, yeah, they're trolling. They're trolling. So, the, so there's that. But then I also see, and I have examples of, of this for you. Uh, there is a level of entitlement with gamers now, and I think that is a direct, uh, directly correlated to the fact that. Um, a lot of gaming studios um, now don't studios seem to have the pressure to put out a complete game. And I'm sure you sure can think of games that have come out in the last few years that have had this problem. You name Breakpoint. I think Cyberpunk is the... Right? It is the one. But there's there's a couple things to it. Because in this particular case, you're looking at a game that has been hyped for so long. Studios want to overpromise all the time because they want to hype up the game. And they truly, I think, truly, I think, want to give you the best product that's out that, that, that they that they can, right? That they, that they but can, right? I think what ends but up happening is to your point about like Amazon paying money and Bethesda and Microsoft is there's pressure from the gaming community and the companies within it to get these games out because like Cyberpunk had been hyped for eight years and they're like you just got to get it out and you saw that they had resource problems, they you know they were running into technical issues and i think you end up like the gaming community becomes even more toxic and entitled because of these incidences so that ire gets turned to a game that has no business being criticized because it's fine the way that it is like you and i grew up in a time when games came out and they were what they were there were no patches there were no updates like if the game came out and it was crap it was crap that's the end of it. There's That's nothing else. Like, and you either had a hit on your hand or you had a dud. And we knew many games that were duds and we knew the games that we liked, right? Um, there's a reason why Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter were the fighting games of, of their time. And there was a lot of other games that just didn't meet the criteria, right? Like, they, they nailed it on the first try. These video game developers don't really have to nail it on the first try, especially because I think the paradigm now of having patches in their back pocket I wonder if it lessens the number work less because I don't want to say that these people aren't working hard but the the importance of putting out a complete game the first time and then enhancing it instead of putting out something that you're like well this is good enough and then they have to make updates because the community turns on it the way they did for Cyberpunk yeah I mean you know the over the overhypeness of anything you know anything that's I mean we just watched the Super Bowl that we were getting we were clamoring like oh my god this would be this matchup would be insane you know when we probably would have got a better Super Bowl between the Packers and whoever else who knows but you know eight years in development um I don't know much about the development side of of um and technicality of video game making to know that my brother actually you know he, he would be one to talk to about that type of stuff because you know he, he would test games at, at some point in his career um being in that field but you know a lot goes into changing things and over the course of eight actual years um things change a lot society you know what you may have in your game as subject matter may change where you know if we look at games like grand theft auto 
who've always pushed the envelope of what that is. Um, you know, things may become sensitive to a point where, well, well, we can't say that in the game anymore, or we can't have this type of music in the game, or some someone's album who did something egregious got, you know, was a victim to cancel culture, and they just they don't have that anymore. So, a lot of um, I always say this, you know, about anything that that we consume, and meaning society, is that we we set the mark, meaning the gamers set the mark of what we like. It's easier said than done to don't change the formula, but there's always someone wants to be innovative and new and 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 do something that that has never really been done before. And I think Cyberpunk's bite of the apple might have been a little bit too too much for them. And then of course when now we're eight years in and money is being spent and we're not seeing a return, meaning an investor is like, hey, when are you guys gonna drop this thing? Are you like now? And they're like, oh, and I'm like, listen, it has to be out by Christmas. I don't care what you got, just put it out. And we saw the, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever, ever have gotten a refund for a game. Because to your point earlier, I've bought something, it was crap, and it sits on my shelf to this day. You know, I'm like, okay, well, there's there's 40 bucks, there's 30 bucks, whatever, it's, it's gone. You know, I immediately had Cyberpunk, like, I think within a couple of hours of me putting out the email uh, uh, through the marketplace, I got the refund right back to my account. I could not believe that happened. I was like, wow. You know, they're not even saying, well, hey, wait wait for the patches. We're going to patch the whole thing. Just hold on. They were like, listen, it, this is so bad. Here you go. <laughs> and and that's it. I mean, I think PS even removed it from their from their marketplace altogether. Um, so if you had to score a copy, it couldn't have been a copy, you know, from, from the marketplace. It's it is. Weird. But... There's another element to that, too, where it is nice to see these companies taking that criticism and trying to do the best that they can to enhance it. Like, a good example of that is a game called No Man's Sky, which came out in 2016. To a very similar drop in terms of expectations versus reality. But fast forward five years later, and they have created what is now one of the more popular games on Steam for that particular genre. Because they put a lot of work, free work, into it to make it the game that they always wanted to. And they said years later that the pressures from Sony, because it was a PlayStation exclusive when it first dropped, um, made them put the game out before they were ready to do it. And and that's yeah. such an it's such and, a weird thing because a, there are a lot of games that don't need these patches, right? Like they're standalone, uh, linear games in which you have a story from start to finish and it's over. But in the online multiplayer, uh, you know, uh, arena. I think they rely a little bit too much on well, we can always fix it on the back end, not thinking about how the gaming community has changed these days to where people want, they expect a good product out the gate, and they can go to every platform that they have, which is numerous now, to tell you your to, you know, voice their displeasure. And I'm surprised that they don't think about that a little bit more, especially uh, with with the fact that the, the developer, the company that on Cyberpunk, what is it, CD Project Red or something like that? That. Red, yeah. Uh, didn't yeah. they have a flop with Witcher? Uh, was it, uh, with Witcher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was just yeah. as bad. I mean, it's just buggy. Yeah. <laughs> great, like a great game, great concept, great story, all that kind of stuff. But the execution, um, you know, crazy. I would go as even as far as saying, um, you know, I'm a trainer, physical trainer, but I work in an environment where we had e-trainers. And what I mean by e-trainers, like these people would sit for a hundred bucks an hour. You bring a little Skippy or Tommy in and they would show them how to play Fortnite or play Madden or play 2K. And I'm like, at first I'm like, okay, I know what e-gaming is. I've been around long enough to know. But I'm like, so why are these people training to play video games? I'm thinking that, oh, the kid wants to get good at it because he doesn't want to be in a toxic community. But it's actually a money-making thing where these like, kids are going pro. This is insane, going pro at 15 and 16 years in high school and they're making upwards of a million dollars a year playing in tournaments. So your co-op version of, of whatever game it is has to be on point, glitchy. It can't be any of those things because you're you're going to generate millions of more dollars in, in, in that arena of, of these games being put on the forefront. You know, it, it's, it's just crazy that, you know, obviously you got technical people on, you got people that do the stories, 
um, people that market and sell the games. But when they get into their think tank to make to make this happen, um, and I'm you know kind of just pointing at the cyberpunk thing, it's like at some point with Q and A, like are they are they sitting there like, hey, listen, like this doesn't work. Lighting here, like I can't see a, a situation where something's being pushed out half baked. And like you can't expect the backlash that you can get, where you're you're jumping on Twitter to defend the position versus getting on whatever whatever gaming um, broadcast that you can get on and making a video saying, "Hey, we're the developers of this game. Unfortunately, the game is not has been what we thought it would be, so we're going to pull it for right now, and we may rebrand and relaunch at a, at a later date." But again, the economics of people's you know investments getting you know torched here. Uh, makes the pressure tenfold so i do get why we get this stuff pushed out but to pay upwards of 60 to 70 bucks for a game that's half baked it's kind of something to be said about that. yeah and if i'm listening to you what i'm hearing is that there are a lot of cowboys in these boardrooms making these decisions oh yeah and that is a perfect segue i think it's time for each of us to go through our cowboy of the week so uh cleve what do you got for us uh cleve what do you got for us um i'm actually gonna pick the new super bowl champion tom brady okay i'm I'm curious and the reason i'm I'm curious about this well obviously some videos have surfaced um of what you know of tom's celebration obviously rightfully so he's celebrating super bowl victory for the seventh time you know um, and I don't think we've we've quite seen a Brady like this because he's always so revered and serious. Even the night of the Super Bowl win, um, there was a, a shot that he was clearing out his locker, like literally digging in his locker as guys were like just celebrating, going nuts. And, you know, when you're used to doing something six times over, um, it doesn't get it's not new to you, you know. But Tom had some some drinks. I don't know if you saw any of his footage. Yeah, had some drinks. Um, I didn't. I didn't take it as him being super irresponsible until I started reading some of the things about the optics of it. Um, because football is something that you know, although albeit a violent sport, it's something where the branding and the marketing is at an all-time high. And although Tom is Tom is not considered the face of the league technically but he is one of the faces of the league so to speak and i'm pretty sure that there was probably a call from goodell or or you know the glazer family or whoever you know maybe a dressing down i don't know how much of a dressing down but maybe like hey man that that wasn't that wasn't cool like you were you were literally like stumbling over yourself (laughs) and then you're throwing the lombardi trophy across open water you know um, so I wasn't, I wasn't so like, oh my God, Tom, Tom, what, what's going on? But when I thought about, you know, kids that are watching, it's a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old or eight-year-old kid who's, who's a, you know, who's playing football or who wants to play football and, you know, maybe want to play quarterback and they kind of say, oh, that's quarterbacks have a lot of fun. You know, we haven't seen that kind of stuff, um, since, you know, Broadway Joe. And I am not going to sit here and, and, um, and scold the guy for having a little fun. No one got hurt. You know, there wasn't anything like he didn't pass out or nothing like that. But I mean, you know, obviously the brand TB12 is on where he was off brand when he was basically having a little fun, blowing off some steam and being one of the guys. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, when you when a bill collector calls your house, this is this is not my voice that I talk to my bill collectors when they call, especially if I'm if I'm behind or something like that. It's not this voice, you know. So Tom, when the cameras are not rolling, he's a regular person. Like, you know, we have to look at these guys as regular people. But as it pertains to cowboys, you can't be a cowboy out there. You can't be reckless. You can't be doing things like that. So Tom Brady, you're my cowboy of the week. Uh, I, I understand where you're coming uh, from with that. I but at the same time, I just think it's such an isolated incident. And the NFL yeah. calling him to dress him down about the optics of the league for many, many oh, reasons. Oh, yeah. yeah, for yeah. Many, many I was waiting for you to rebut with that. Yeah. they. I mean, it's laughable, but I'm pretty sure there was a call made to talk to him to kind of, you know, brush things over to say, well, the call was at least made. But yeah, <laughs> I just, I didn't have a problem with them, but I kind of saw where the problem could be had by it from the brand, not not his brand of TV 12 but his brand, meaning he, he, you know, the NFL shield is on his uniform and the NFL shield is on that trophy that they're holding up in this festive event. Yeah. So, well, I, 
That's I would I say that the cowboy move is when they threw the Lombardi Trophy from boat to boat. That that would be the cowboy move to me. Although I did find that hilarious because if anybody who's listening knows Brady's past with the NFL in terms of um, you know discipline, he was suspended four games for the Deflategate stuff. But it was really because he wouldn't give over his cell phone. Which when you think about all of it years later, it sounds so dumb. And I'm sure that's him being like, you know what? Nothing that Cadell could do can stop. And they just throw the damn thing from boat to boat. And I thought it was somewhat interesting because I thought like we see this from Tom all the time. He is so buttoned up. Uh, he's so buttoned up. Yeah. Was, but I, I get where you're coming from, though, the But I, I get where you're coming from, um, So, uh, mine actually is fresh from last night. I was, I was going through Twitter and I saw that the Mandalorian, I don't know if you've seen the Mandalorian yet, please, but um, it's some episodes, yeah. It's, it's actually a perfect show for this segment because it's really a Western in space. Um, right? It's like the, the, the Mandalorian is a bounty hunter, he's basically a cowboy. Uh, and and, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. follow him around, but it's the most popular show on TV, right? or at least is when it's on uh, streaming. And they're one of the ladies there in it. So I have a cowgirl for you. Her name is Gina Carano. I think I'm saying that correctly, but she is uh, one of the prominent characters on the show. I believe her, her name is Kara Dune in the show, but she's also a former MMA fighter. Even better. So she got fired. So uh, Lucasfilm fired her. Uh, I believe they were setting her up to have her own spin-off show because she has been quite vocal since the election on social media about things that are, let's just say, uh, not popular, not very unpopular opinions. So yesterday she tweeted uh, basically uh, comparing being a Jew during the Holocaust to what it's like to have a conservative political opinion today. Jesus. And and uh, she removed it, uh, the hashtag. Of course, everybody wanted to cancel her. And cancel culture is another episode. We could talk about that all month yeah, yeah, long. Absolutely. Uh, they called for her firing, and Lucasfilm fired her and basically said she is no longer a part of the Disney company, and we do not have plans for her to be a part of the Disney company in the future. So her entire meal ticket was lost because she decided to say that being a conservative today is like being a Jew um, So that is is my cowgirl of the uh, week. So that is my cowgirl of the week. Wow. I I I just I I just marvel <laughs> and this is no plug to marvel. <laughs> I just marvel at how like when we cuz we talked about this on other stuff like how your political views or your opinions about stuff bleeds into your workplace because you're representing a brand. I just talked about this with Tom Brady just now. You're representing Disney, whether you're on camera, off camera, so you don't work for them anymore. Things that you said kind of, you know, unfairly or, you know, it could be unfairly tied to you or tied to that company or whatever it is. So you, you're right. Her meal ticket, like she, that may even because a giant like Disney got rid of her, that could have hurt, that could have hurt her beyond this, you know, for her to get something else. Like, she had a, a top-notch spot with the promise of a spin-off. Well, it looked like it was being set up that well, way. But I want to say this as it relates to this topic of, you know, uh, having a platform. Topic. So, Cleve, you and I are currently so, reporting so are on currently a platform. On, on, like, on the, the, the landscape platform. today mm-hmm. where you and I can so put out what is essentially radio content effortlessly and bring our voices and our opinions to many people, uh, it's a privilege, right? Like having a platform Uh, is a privilege. Mm -hmm. And we talk about how there's different levels of it. When you are a celebrity, uh, of, of the highest order, or even a, you know, I say of the highest order because any celebrity that is known by name to where that incident of you losing your job is on CNN, uh, you have reached the level of popularity that is well above where you and I are sitting, right, in terms of popularity. And you. Your platform you, on social media, for instance, is much larger than mine. Even though we are typing in the same space, we're using probably the same device to do so, your words carry much more gravity than mine do. 
if I said something like this, 50 people would see it and everybody would ignore it and probably get rid of it. When millions of people see it, you have a responsibility to remember that what you are saying on this in this airspace is directly tied to everything within your life and your life. And the lack of responsibility that she showed, I'm not saying whether I agree with her or not, but the lack of responsibility and awareness to know that putting something out there on that public space that you know is not just unpopular, but I'm pretty sure there are social media clauses within all of these people's contracts that talk about this stuff. If you want to believe that in your personal life and talk to your friends about that, I'm fine. Yeah, a little different. Yeah, a little different. But when you start putting it on a public space, it is your own content, your words, your opinion, and you need to own it and understand that there are consequences that go along with it. And that's the big difference for me between these, this cowgirl and you know Tom Brady is that he had a moment of lapse that looked bad. This has ruined her entire livelihood because she didn't have the awareness to understand that, yes, in today's world, your entire livelihood can be taken away from you because you put it out there publicly not realizing that consequences do apply to you actually they apply to you sometimes more than they do to me and she her money her fame couldn't get her out of it and the company which by the way nobody is bigger than the disney company said have a nice have a nice life they gave her they they gave her the public have a nice life like wwe does that where they're like we wish you well in your endeavors they didn't even say that they basically said we know we do not expect her to be a part of this company ever again have a nice life again that's it yeah it's it's something it's something to be i i literally marvel at that like i said i you know i've had two episodes of the manual that i i had to scrap because the content was so volatile i was like you know um i'm gonna get tied to this in some kind of way and this might not be good for me so i told the guests you know sorry for wasting an hour of your time but you know and they were one was adamant about me putting out what you know what we had and i'm like dude i can't like this this goes beyond a lot of things i personally are feeling you know have feelings about but i'm like i if if this goes beyond this this could come back to me like in five years I'm like oh you remember this episode and then that's it i'm crushed at that point although things have happened years ago but it's, it's just you know when you're in the public space you don't have the freedom to say what you really think, which again, that can be argued on another, you know, side of it. But when, as Matt said, when you are <laughs> tied to something and you are synonymous with this thing, you know, it happens. I don't care how big a star you are, you know, once you become radioactive, that's it. They don't need you. They, they, hey, we got a, <laughs> we got a billion subscribers and you, and we pay you maybe a million a year. Yeah. And it's, we can get we, we can get someone else to come. And the and thing do this is, like these people don't realize it's not just the people that follow you, but there are people who go to find these things and cancel them. Like there, there are people who are on social media to look for this. So I just want to say that um, anybody who's listening, we own what we say, and if you disagree with it, that's okay. Um, you can respectfully tell us that, uh, but we want to know who you think is the bigger cowboy slash cowgirl of the week. So if you go to Instagram and visit us at cowboy. Boy season podcast, uh, you know, make a comment there, send us a message there. Uh, also, if you go to the Maddie Ice Media page, we do have some contact info there. You can email us, you can find all the Instagram, uh, you know, feeds there of the, the different shows and stuff. Uh, let us know who your cowboy is because we'd love to know. I think it's uh, my gal, but Cleve, you might think it's Tom. Uh, maybe our viewers will help us decide. Um, so we're gonna wrap it up a little bit, Cleve. I think that was that was good. Uh, there's so many people who are considered cowboys and cowgirls out there i think we're gonna have a lot of fun uh taking some shots at their expense because guess what that's correct so i'm happy about the creative direction we're going in i'm definitely happy about the rebrand and i really appreciate you bringing your creative energy cleave uh, and to all of our listeners we will see you next episode <laughs>